Hello, this is Ben from Noggin. Welcome to our podcast. Those of you who know us as coaches and facilitators probably won't be surprised to hear we spend a lot of time in conversation about what we can do to help put people in better places so they can get more from their lives, both personal and professional. So this is a conversation between friends and colleagues, loosely based in applied psychology, talking about whatever we think might be relevant and helpful. We hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome back to our second podcast. I'm joined by Michael. You're not going to say hello? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so um, how, how are you, Michael? How is, how is lockdown easing for you where you are? Well, I've got to say it's um, really nice to, to be able to go outside and to enjoy the sunshine. Yeah, just feel the elements. And for the benefit of the listener, um, you may or may not know that Michael lives, uh, Michael and his lovely family live in Spain, in Mallorca, which is a lifestyle choice for him and his lovely family, uh, not uh, the result of a misspent youth. And Spain's rather lax extradition policies with the UK. <laughs> So I'm, I'm I'm curious, Michael, that you're um, you've been locked down slightly differently from us, and you've been I think you were saying you've you've been it's been a little bit harder for. And how have you, how have you found it? Well, um, I get the sense that it's just been a bit stricter than in the UK. So um, the police uh, have a much stronger presence if you're out and about when you shouldn't be, and and there's also a lot of rumours around fines and stuff. So um, for about two months it was essentially if you had a dog you could walk it but if you didn't have a dog you couldn't go outside unless you were going shopping so um that was it okay really. how's it feeling now it's beginning to ease it's just nice to have a feeling of freedom again you know when free your freedom's taken away um you really sort of hanker after it and then when you get a little bit back you start to really appreciate the sense of freedom um, that you've got and you know um, I'm sure like a lot of people um, you or I have um, sort of recalibrated or re-reflected a lot and and thought about stuff because I've had this time and it's interesting to see how I'll start again with um, my freedom now it's returning to me. That's really interesting that I, um, I was thinking about what might be relevant to talk about I can't help but think that there's I have this sense that it might be harder for people on the way out than it was on the way in to lockdown and you, you use the word re there a few times and I'm I'm thinking that the what I've I've got this hunch that the the fact that things will be harder on the way out is people have um, I spoke to a client this morning who's a well she's a friend who I haven't been able to speak to for about two months because, I, I, you know, she's been super, super busy and been texting me saying, oh, sorry, I couldn't make the call yesterday. I've been up till two in the morning. And she said, she said, well, there's like, you, when I finally spoke to her for 10 minutes this morning, it was really nice to hear her voice and, and have, a, have a proper catch up. And even though it was only for 10 minutes. And she said, she said, well, you know, it's like there's three, three categories of people. There's those who've been furloughed who've kind of been having a very nice time, you know, just at home, catching up with a few jobs and doing a few bits like that. There's people like um, yourself, Ben, she said, self-employed, who are probably doing a bit of work and thinking about, okay, well, how are we going to re-engineer things for the future? 
And then there are people who've been really effing busy because their jobs have been, because she works in the medical sector, her, although she works for a private um, hospital group, she's now classed as a key worker. So she's had to redesign to get all their staff working within NHS guidelines. They've had to redesign so much of what they do. So she's been absolutely flat out. So there are lots of people coming out of lockdown to, and I'm not sure if I like the expression new normal, because I don't think we know what that is, but I'm sure the transition for people is going to be quite tricky. And that's my, if you like, my curiosity about how will that be for people and and what might make that easier for people, particularly because the um, for the people who've been at home furloughed, whilst it's been disconcerting, and, and this is all within this huge caveat that it's it's a desperate situation for sadly losing lives. And then for a, a large proportion of the population who've not been affected, for some, the word that comes to mind, my mentor Pat talks a lot about uh, recreation. And the word recreation, if you split it into re and creation, it's what opportunity have people taken, I suppose, as you say, to recreate what's important to them. And what I'm interested in is to what extent given the fact we know that New Year's resolutions don't really last very long, is how recreated will people be when they go back into the real world? And, 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 what, and what, is re, what is recreation? What, what's, what's that made of? Like, what's the substance of recreation? Um, because thinking about what your friend was saying about, you know, there's some people who've been furloughed and they've been having a great time not doing anything. And then, you know, I'm a key worker, so I've been really busy. Um, so see, I, I don't see it purely in the doing terms. Like, uh, I don't think people's experience over the last two months is, is, is purely driven by how much they've had or how little they've had to do. I think there's some other factors at play here. Um, and I yeah. wonder whether this, how do we, how do I start again thing, um, is 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 actually quite complex because even if someone's been furloughed or someone's been working in a hospital, saving lives, there's still whoever you are and wherever you've been, you might still at this point feel a little bit lost. Yeah, and I think the word um, the word recreation, the creation bit is your re and I. And I I agree. Yeah, it's it's complex because but you're creating something, and what are you creating? Well, maybe it's not recreation. Maybe it's reorientation. And I think for those people who have been hugely affected by this, by being super super busy or having to completely redesign how they run their businesses, or the people who've had, you know, for no for no fault of their own, they've had more time on their hands. They've turned to, you know, some of them, as you you well know, you've become you know the school headmaster at home and have been helping with kids kids learning or they've you know taken it upon themselves to learn something new but with all of that you might have learned something about yourself because you've suddenly become busier at work or you might have learned something about yourself that works for you whatever the context that the lockdown has led to and, and my interest lies in 
how do you help people hold on to that whilst they reorient themselves in the real world i say the real world the new world mm. i think one of the one of the factors i've been reflecting on is self esteem and i wonder what has happened to people's self esteem over this time because you know we all get our self esteem needs met in in a variety of ways and obviously when we're in the workplace that's one of the places where we get self esteem and when you when you know we've not been in in our workplaces in our roles in our positions with our status and i'm sure that's been that affected our esteem and i thinking about your mentor pat i was listening to a you might describe him as a, a relationship guru from america called terence real he was one of the first one of the first authors of a, of a sort of psychotherapy type book that I ever read years and years ago, um, which was all about covert depression in men. So how men hide their feelings. And it was aptly called, I don't want to talk about it. Um, and I, it was just a brilliant read. And I've followed him um, sort of at a distance ever since. And I was listening to him talk about self-esteem the other day. And he was saying that, you know, in an unhealthy sense, there's three ways in which our culture and the people in our culture get their self-esteem needs met. He says one of them is attribute-based. So I have worth because of what I have. Like I have worth because I have a big salary or I'm the boss or I'm in charge or I have control. Another self-esteem-based uh, factor is performance. So I have worth because what I can do. I have worth because I delivered to a deadline or because I've made a big presentation like a keynote or I've negotiated a great deal or I can get a lot done. And then there's an other based esteem where I have worth because you think I do. So my boss thinks I'm great or the directors or whoever it is, give me my worth. And when you think about those three things, they've all changed in the last two months. And I can't help but think that that's not had an impact on people and how they'll return to that, whether they'll return to those what you might say sort of external unhealthy factors or whether we'll think about redressing the balance and thinking about well how can i foster a more genuine and real connection how can i develop a more intimate um, relationship at work a more real one rather than these uh, you might say sort of false ones and um Ultimately, no one is worth more or less than anyone else. And I think, if anything, the coronavirus has taught us that. Yeah, I think the self-esteem angle and how people have experienced their time in lockdown and what they might want to take forward into the, the transition, if you like, into whatever the world will be like over the next few months and years. Yeah, that Will, Will Schutz, the... Uh, founder of an originator of Fire theory, which you know is a big aspect of what underpins our work at Noggin. He always said that all behaviour is driven by self-esteem. And when you think about that, the things that you're talking um, are about are the expression of people's self-esteem in terms of, you know, the attribute based being you know how valued do they feel the performance based is how um, capable do they feel of making a difference um, and then 
the, the final one you mentioned is sort of referencing that with other people, so the validation. So that, that will have been different for them during lockdown as it will be in transition. So from a FIRO theory uh, aspect, Will used to talk about the fact that what drives our self-esteem are feelings of significance, competence and likability. And we will act, as you say, to get our needs met in those three contexts or those three aspects or those three feelings. And maybe lockdown has been an opportunity to get more of that or reconnect with more of that. And maybe some of it's been lost. So I wonder how, um, as people re-enter society, because as social creatures, we, we, one thing I read, somebody said to me that, you know, we, we only know ourselves in the presence of others because we are projecting or we are comparing or we are um, experiencing ourselves in this catalytic nature of the relationship that we have with other people that I behave in a certain way. So it's like likability. I like you because I like me when I'm with you. And how much, to what extent have people had the opportunity to um, have the mirror or the foil or the um, interpersonal opportunities to satisfy their intrinsic motivations. So the, the fact that what's important to me will be in, will, won't be the same as what's important to you. And to an extent, the, the difference plays out in, in how we go, how we seek those, um, how we seek the expression of those intrinsic motivations in our interactions with other people. So, yeah, does that does that place sort of your your interest of self esteem in, in in that context of transition that we're going to? Well, it's so interesting to to compare, you know, Terence Real and Will Schutz are basically saying the same thing, which is which is great. Obviously, that means they're onto something if they're both saying the same stuff. Um, and well, you'd, you'd 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 probably hope it was similar, seeing as the 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 object of study is the same thing, which is the the human psyche or human beings. The thing that I my ears really heard when you were speaking just now was that expression: "I like you because you like me when I'm with you," and it and it's a bit of a mouthful that. Um, and you got it, and you got it the wrong way around, which. Is interesting. I like me because you like me because I don't like me. How is that again? <laughs> I like you. <laughs> oh, there you go. Everything you need to know about Mr. Michael Wood. Um, are you an introvert by any chance? So the expression, sorry, it's one of those expressions that just trips off my tongue because I say it so much. That it's, I like you because I like me when I'm with you. Does that know what I said? No. <laughs> well, um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll change yeah. mine. Let me change mine. Get, with your permission, with your permission, Ben, I will take this opportunity to 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 use a different Edit. reference. So the 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 person I'm going to turn to is the French philosopher um, Merleau Ponty. And he had another line, which is more or less the same as what you're saying. And the line goes, through others' eyes, I am for myself fully visible. And 
it, it, it speaks to that catalytic relationship yeah. that, that you mentioned. It's like, you know, I don't get to really fully understand who I am unless I'm in the presence of other people. And the other people at the moment in the last couple of months have, have probably been largely quite different than they were before. And, um, and that, that is going to, that's going to have an impact on people, yeah. isn't it? I get that. I, I get that. I think, I, yeah, I like that. I might even learn that one myself and pretend it's, you know, borrow with Come pride. So you've got to do it the right way around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think, um, I think we'll say if, you know, Will Shirks and what was the French guy's name? Uh, Merleau Ponty. Yeah, I say it's fifteen all at the moment, mate. <laughs> um, but seeing yourself in the eyes of others, to, to harshly paraphrase what I understood from that, yeah, I in in in, in this lockdown versus non-lockdown, or or however you put it, even outside of this sort of period, I I, you know, we were talking earlier in this week, having taken what we do normally with a group of people online and you you know you know me well how much you you said to me you notice how how I feed off a group and it's true I was thinking how come doing a two-hour no it's a three-hour online workshop with a group of really super wonderful bright engaged people how come that costs me so much more energy than it does when I'm in the room mm. and reflecting on it, it's, I didn't get the immediacy of feedback that I rely on to validate what I'm saying. Yeah. You're staring at the camera to make eye contact with the group as opposed to looking for and getting the reaction from six or seven people on a, on a zoom call and it's and it's tricky you you yeah and yeah so from a self-esteem point of view yeah i have a i have a word with myself about the the value i suppose if i run it through the you know significance competence and likability uh, measures or awarenesses yeah it's a it's a recalibration given that medium so maybe one of the things i'll yearn for in and want to return to is the contact I'll have with people and also in the absence of that just be aware of that I might not get that in that way in the same way for a while yeah you won't get the same sense of worth um on zoom or what have you as you would uh in person because the medium is 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 somehow more or less intimate or more empty or there's just the the quality of the exchange that you get online is just it it just can't quite replicate what you get in person can it and therefore it can and it can leave gaps in your sense of your experience yeah and i think my reflection for myself was less about worth and more about the depth of connection that you get with people. Mm. So that's for me. That's a really high. Um, that's a really high intrinsic motivation for me, which is relationships. And what I was thinking in terms of the transition into 
you know, the easing of lockdown is I sense that in the recreation or whatever the, the term is we would use to the experience that people have had for eight, eight weeks, I think there are some things that people have reoriented themselves to um, what they really value. So their intrinsic motivations may have been revisited and they may not articulate them because they don't, you know, spout on about, you know, psychological terms like that, like we do. But I'm sure from conversations with people and what you read in the press, that people are talking about, they've recalibrated on, you know, some of the things that, they, that are important to them. They've had a, they've through their experience of being quieter, having less contact, being able to spend more time with family, having more depth of time with other people, maybe more regular contact with their family, albeit electronically, that they've reoriented themselves to what's really important to them. And that's, for me, their intrinsic motivations. And, you know, as we talk about, we know that people's intrinsic motivations fall into the categories around significance, competence and, and likability. And I wonder how people take that forward. So if, as I was reading in The Guardian this morning, that a UCL, a University College London study, has surveyed 74,000 people and shown that despite an initial decline in happiness prior to lockdown starting, well-being has actually risen over the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. Anxiety levels have fallen. And that's for both people, people with and without existing mental health disorders. So something's happened in lockdown and that that the visibility about yourself in relation to others, there's been you've had less of an audience. So I wonder when you transition back into um, more contact with more people to not compare yourself to, but but to experience yourself in relation to other people, in relation to other people interpersonally, that will that affect our ability to stay true to what's important to us? And how do, we, how do you possibly help people maintain or identify and articulate what, what, they've, um, what they've learned about themselves or what they've got from the eight weeks of lockdown? So fascinating, the, the study you just referred to, it makes me think about the um, Gestalt psychotherapist Arnold Beeser back in the 70s, who coined the paradoxical theory of change, because you're, you're, talk, you're talking in, it's, or you're, you're suggesting that the, up, the upsurge in health, mental health and uh, how people feel and, uh, and, and what you mentioned, is somewhat paradoxical because they're not getting the same sort of level of, of, of input as they would normally. And he said that, you know, change happens when we become more fully ourselves, not when we're trying to make ourselves be something or do something that we're not. And, and, and that's, mm. that is quite paradoxical, isn't it? We're not forcing, we're not, we're not, change happens not by force, but by when we engage fully with with who we truly are in, in, in our present being and in the present moment. And that and who we who we truly are comes down to a simple question about 
what's important to you. So when we talk about eliciting people's intrinsic motivations, if you take a context like work or their career, or it's like the wheel of wheel of life stuff that we talk about in coaching, where you have people identify you know, what's important to them about different aspects. The, the the real question is what's important to you, because unless you hold on to a sense of what's important to you in your work or in in your relationship with your family, maybe which has you you've re reoriented yourself towards during this period, this this weird period where you've had more time on your hands or less people to less people to be influenced by interpersonally, as you've just said, in relation to change, that how do we help people maintain that? Well, maybe sit down, ask yourself the question in this context, what is important to me? What do I get from that? Sometimes it's the hardest question to answer. Yeah. And I'm I'm also taken by, I think, one of the many things I've learned from you over the time we've worked together that's been helpful is once, and now and again, you have somebody who comes to you who's been through a particularly difficult period in their life or, or work, and they're coming to you either in the midst of it or just after, and they're attempting to regroup. They've had a transitional period. Something significant's happened for them. And I remember you talking to me about the concept of helping people overcome, I think you said, trauma through counterfactual thinking or counterfactual questioning. I must have been having a very uh, intelligent moment. There are few far between. Well, I mean, by point of comparison, mate, why do you think I hang out with you? <laughs> um, because I make you look good. <laughs> going to say the reverse mate but people i like you because yeah or something like that i like you because you made me look good <laughs> no, yeah i like you because you can tell me stuff that makes i can spout and then it makes me look good and the counterfactual thinking to remind you that in i suppose in in how that helped me help others was helping reorient people to uh when something challenging had happened my job as i saw it was to help them move on from it by bringing from that what would help them so what did they need to let go of but equally what did they need to take from that time and i remember coaching someone who'd been through had to make some really tough decisions in terms of their family situation and their relational relationship situation and this person's career versus their relationship and a uh, very unequal um, dynamic uh, domestically and desire to do the right thing for themselves and their children and they were coming up to a decision again where they had to make a quite a significant life decision, which was triggering the same anxiety that the situation that I'd coached her in two or three years previously had had brought up. And I remember asking her the question, if you hadn't been through 
all of the drama that went on three years ago, if you hadn't been through that, what wouldn't you have learned about yourself? Mm. And she thought for a moment and she blurted out that my feelings matter. Mm. And I said, so how do you relate the importance of that into the decision that you're making right now? Mm. Taking that into the new context or the decisions you're going to have to make over the next few weeks. And she looked at me and she went, I know what I need to do. Mm. So that was my experience of stealing counterfactual thinking. And I don't know, maybe you could, you know, is there anything I've missed from that? I think the, the, the quality of that question is, I think, what, what created the insight. And I think it might just be worth repeating what that question is. Um, and because the, it, it's, a, it's sort of a double negative, isn't it? It's got a bit of, sort of Cartesian logic sort of hidden mm-hmm. in there. And, but, but, but because of that, it leads to the insight. It sort of does something in the brain that I can't quite understand. But there's that. It's that question which really pierces the the mind somehow. Okay. And the question was, if you hadn't been through that, what wouldn't you have learnt about yourself? Mm. And yeah, the double negative Cartesian element to that seems to have an effect on people's awareness because it is slightly confusing and you have to work harder to answer it. Because I could have asked, so what did you learn from that? Mm. But equally, I don't wouldn't have got the same result. No. So I'm curious in, I'll keep using the I'm curious word, which we've had feedback from Max that. (laughs) Don't say that. Don't say curious. I am curious though, Max. Um, in relation to lockdown and in relation to how people have recreated themselves or may have recreated themselves and how they may aspire to take that recreation of themselves forward and not lose lose it as they begin to encounter all of the external factors or the extrinsic motivations that they'll encounter how might a question such as if you hadn't been through lockdown, what wouldn't you have learned about yourself? Or if you hadn't been through lockdown, wouldn't what if you hadn't been through lockdown, what wouldn't you have learned that's important to you? Mm. And whether a list or an awareness of those to check in on as the weeks and months progress might be useful to helping orient people to to what extent are they honouring that when things begin to return to some degree of normality, whatever that might look like. So Ben, um, just to draw this to a close, what's the, what's the one big thing that you want people to take away with them? Well, I suppose it's a, to leave people with a gentle provocation or a suggestion that as they reorient themselves into whatever comes next, that they remember to ask themselves the question and pay attention to what's important to them, to 
continually make sure that they're honouring, as I said, through their behaviour and everyday experience, what's most important to them so they get as much as they can from what has been a really tricky situation. So, Michael, any, any final words? Well, just to say um, it's been an, as enlightening as ever, Ben. <laughs> so that's it for this week. Michael, thanks so much for your uh, intelligent contribution. Good luck in lockdown Spain as it eases and steer clear of those Guardia Seville. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next time.